You're about to hear the 3CR Community Radio podcast of Encyclopedia. For more information on this show, head to 3cr.org.au and follow the links to the Encyclopedia program page. Get in contact with us on Facebook, Twitter, or find us on our website. Good afternoon this uh, fine, fine Sunday, sunny afternoon. Finally, we're feeling a little bit of spring. I've been very much enjoying the smell of jasmine in the air. Uh, it, it, that, to me, is, I, I think, the start of spring, when you when you walk outside and the air isn't um, offensive on your skin uh, and, and just that, that smell of jasmine and the warm air. I think that's the start of spring. Asha, uh, welcome to the program. I uh, just walked in. Do you re- what, what's your start of spring event? What, what really sets it off for you? Well, for me, I work uh, in bushland restoration, so it's orchid season. To oh, all the of course. Native wildflowers <laughs> come out. Beautiful. Very much enjoying the sunshine, so i uh, <laughs> just got a big smile on my face. Thank you very much to Freedom of Species. They'll be back from 1pm next week on 3CR Community Radio, 855am digital and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. And I'm um, hoping that we might have some uh, some people from uh, overseas uh, listening every now and then. Of course, the show is available for the next week. If you can't catch it live, you can listen online at 3cr.org.au. Just head to the Encyclopedia program page where you can also find ways to get in touch with us via Facebook. Twitter or via the website. Uh, during the show, we do discuss a wide variety of issues around drugs. We neither condone nor condemn the use, and we are we're basically here to present facts. We're here to present uh, people's points of view and uh, and and talk about that whether whether or not. Uh, um, whatever people do. We're not trying to make people's decisions for them. We're not uh, here to talk about abstinence, and nor are we here to recommend that you commit a crime. Uh, in psychedelia, uh, is, it's a bit of a confusing word, but I kind of jumbled it together between encyclopedia and psychedelia. I know we don't really have encyclopedias anymore, not in the book form, because Wikipedia is a lot easier <laughs> we, we have google these days <laughs> and, and google but um that's that's the intention of the show to bring together a lot of a, a wide variety of voices from uh the community the wide and very diverse community of people who take drugs which includes you i can guarantee it includes you because you probably uh, uh maybe if it's just medicines they help you get better what would you do without medicines to help you get better you probably the statistics say that uh most of you right now are. Uh, are somebody that uh, occasionally enjoys a glass of wine or a, a beer or maybe some spirit of some kind. Well, one of the things that I like about spring down here in Fitzroy and Collingwood is suddenly seeing the cafes bursting to seeming with all those people consuming the drug caffeine. Yeah, <laughs> and actually there's uh, there was some interesting uh, reports on caffeine uh, this week with uh, a medical agency, I believe it was in the UK, reporting on caffeine overdose becoming a bit of a problem because there are so many high-caffeine products Products out there now, the energy drinks, but also there's vaporizers now where people can vape caffeine. Yes, oh, I heard that one. <laughs> and powdered forms of caffeine, which you see in things like um, Nodos, which is a tablet form, um, and I think you can actually buy powdered form off the internet from somewhere. So, and caffeine is a stimulant; it's a drug, and it can cause problems. Um, most of the problems are very similar to other uh, stimulant pro- problems. So, it's a, a lot to do with anxiety and just sort of too much energy. <laughs> yeah, there, there was actually a. Uh, uh 
international forum here in uh, Victoria uh, late last year on caffeine and energy drink products. So we'll try and report back some of the findings of that at a later show. Let's get uh, let's get stuck into the news for the week on in psychedelia. Ash, what have you got for us? Uh, well, cannabis cultivation for medical cannabis is a step closer in Victoria. On Friday, Dan Andrews announced that the government was planning to announce a medical cannabis trial. Um, the report that the state government commissioned is yet to be tabled in government, and I guess they'll have more to say on that at the time. But it does have cross-party support with opposition leader Matthew Guy supporting it. And so are uh, members in the community, such as the Farmers Federations and uh, the medical establishment are broadly behind it. Um, Federal Health Minister Susan Lay said that the Abbott government was looking closely at the Senate inquiry's findings into the bill introduced by Greens leader Senator Dina Tarly to introduce a medical cannabis regulator. Mm. So it looks like things are progressing a little bit on that front. Progressing and interested in the detail because uh, at the moment we seem to be... Uh, well, the details have been released for that one. Uh, Victoria is uh, wait, still waiting on the details for their particular uh, regulatory platform. And I have a feeling we're going to have a bit of a uh, politically competitive situation between the, the different forms of regulation and different players uh, aiming to get their vested interests into... Uh, the way that the regulation occurs, really. Yeah, one thing I was critical of in the in the proposals for Victoria was that there wouldn't be any smokable forms of cannabis, so that's whole flower, vaporizer type things. And yeah. I, I see that as a, a particular negative because it has a positive flow on to the recreational market, which is their concern. But I think it's a mm. it's a false concern. The fact that recreational users might be using a vaporizer rather than smoking a joint isn't. A bad no. thing, in my opinion. Sydney Morning Herald this week had a article on LSD, ecstasy, and other psychedelics making a medical comeback. Uh, not particularly news if you listen to this program or follow along with um, with what's been happening in this sort of psychedelic renaissance that's been going on for basically all of the 2000s, um, but it's certainly heated up in the past five years or so. But it's nice to see when the mainstream press takes uh, takes notice and goes, oh. Uh, there's something going on over there. It was a short article, but uh, nice to see. Yeah. Uh, the Sydney Morning Herald reported earlier this week after um, Sarah, a researcher, Sarah Gill, uh, put forward a Freedom of Information request to uh, get the figures for exactly how the Australian Federal Police has been interacting with foreign governments and police on death penalty cases. Uh, the, the title was uh, AFP Dobbs in 800 and 40, uh, 1,847 people. Um, and that basically means that the Australian Federal Police have put more than one person at risk of death every day for the last five years by assisting police in countries where the death penalty is uh, in act and often applied. And 95% of these were for drugs cases. Compound Interest uh, posted a nice, very clear infographic just providing a brief summary of some of the intravenous anaesthetics that are used in medical procedures. If you're a bit of a drug geek, then you might be interested in checking out some of the molecules that are used uh, when, you know, doctors are chopping into you and whatnot, fixing you up, but, you know, uh, with anaesthetic. <laughs> Hearings into uh, Libertarian Senator from the Liberal Democratic Party's uh, inquiry into the nanny state, Senator Lionhelm's inquiry, began this week. And um, while it's looking into a broad range of things where the party and Senator Lionhelm perceive an overregulation, it is also covering 
the regulation of things like um, cannabis, where the Senate is an advocate for full legalisation. Uh, the Irish Times this week uh, reported on Richard Branson, who's pushing for more sensible attitudes towards drugs. He says, in countries where decriminalisation has happened, it is now a non-issue. In those places... Oh, sorry. <laughs> a non-issue in those places, if it is... Uh, if it is decriminalised here in Ireland, it will become a non-issue. And it's true, we've, uh, we've heard this about Portugal from, uh, from people who, have been, who were the most staunch opponents to Portuguese de- decriminalisation 15 years later. Now they support it because they've seen the sky didn't fall in. Uh, yeah, on a similar front, the um, uh, head of the Geelong Ice Inquiry, they've had their own little uh, investigation down there, advocated this week for decriminalisation of ICE, which was met with a very strong and swift reaction from Federal Health Minister Susan Lay, who said that the coalition government has no intention of decriminalising it, and Premier Dan Andrews here in Victoria um, also said a similar thing. Uh, crossing to a uh, more psychedelic issue now with uh, ayahuasca, Ancestral Seeds is a uh, blog and they've reported on a battle within the ayahuasca community around uh, essentially issues of regulation. Now, now the question over, I mean, there's different forms of regulation. We think of regulation as laws that you have to abide by, but taboo is a kind of regulation. Ritual is a kind of regulation. Dogma, a kind of reg- regulation. And of course, authorities and institutions that, um, that, that keep those authorities through through some kind of institutional rule is another way of regulation. Uh, so the reporting was uh, Alberto Varela from a company called Ayahuasca International um, apparently has a, a document signed by Ukumare Kanke, uh, which is a Colombian indigenous community who uses Ayahuasca, and apparently the, the letter was signed by uh, uh, some of the um, elders of that community um, saying that it supported Ayahuasca International's commercial efforts to sell ayahuasca and uh, also have rather expensive ayahuasca sessions at a uh, uh, um, purpose-built area that they've got here. But the uh, Ukumare Kanke say that that's actually not the case and um, they're using it fraudulently and uh, are a bit concerned about the commercialisation sort of uh, model that Ayahuasca International is using currently. And they were actually selling Ziploc, like they look like little juice bags online with Ayahuasca in it, the kind that you give to kids for Interesting. yeah, uh, very it, it's it's putting it completely out of the context um, that it has commonly been in into this kind of commercial context, and there's a lot of questions around how that might affect the experience overall, but also the community because if that sort of thing happens and things get out of hand, you can expect crackdown. That's yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's what happens. Um, this week, uh, big shout out to Lucy Haslam, the medical cannabis campaigner. Um, she's just launched a, with in collaboration with some other people, uh, a new charity and advocacy group called United in Compassion. Um, and they're essentially advocating for a research and growing facility up in Tamworth, New South Wales. And they've got quite a, um, quite a list of talent on their, um, on their, uh, I guess their board. Um, there's, uh, uh, Nut Ratzberg, a the lab director, who's a chemical engineer that's worked with synthetic cannabinoids in the pharmaceutical industry. Um, Dr. Saylor, who's a uh, organic and analytic chemist, 
And Neville Schoenmakers, who's a genetics and breeding expert and often considered the father of modern cannabis genetics, Mm -hmm. um, he was the first person to create a seed bank in Holland in 1984, and much of the medical cannabis strains that now exist have progressed from his seed stock. So those guys are calling for donations and support, which you can find their website at unitedincompassion.com.au. And here's just a um, small bit from uh, Lucy Haslam. This was recorded at Parliament House uh, on about August 11th and published uh, by Canberra Times. This is Lucy Haslam. I just realised that if you don't keep pushing, people just don't take any notice of you. Um, you know, I, I think really we're at the... I think we're past the tipping point now. Um, either they get on board or they get left behind. The reality is this is happening all around the world. We're not, we're not leading here. We're, we're following a, a large number of, you know, of, of advanced countries. So I'm just trying to plead to the, the, the Prime Minister and to the Senate to please deal with it now and, and not, not put it away for another, you know, 12 months or two years or whatever. You know, I think in years to come, we'll, we'll look back at this and we'll say, weren't we idiots? Um, that we ignored this, uh, you know, it's valuable medicine for so many people. I've just met too many people now to ignore the benefits. Um, and I think at the very least we should be, you know, we should be looking at it. We should be, we should be doing the research, but we should be supporting people. What kind of health system doesn't support people? It's Lucy Haslam speaking at Parliament House uh, in about mid-August uh, this year. And finally, there was a story, and you've probably seen this one this week because it's been all over the internet. Um, I sourced it from independent.co.uk. Uh, there was also Australian versions of this story. In Germany, a homeopathic conference ended in chaos when 29 of the attendees apparently took a psychoactive drug. There have been conflicting reports of what exactly they took, but it seems likely that it was a 2C something one of the phenethylamines, um, and more than 150 medical staff turned up, including a helicopter, which I imagine is quite the bill on. And there's still a lot of uh, confusion around what exactly uh, perspired on this day. Was it something intentional, in which case shouldn't they have diluted it a bit further? Or was it uh, something more treacherous? Did somebody actually drug them, which... um, uh, would be pretty serious. We'll, we'll, we'll keep uh, we'll keep an eye on that one because it's it's just gone all over the world. I think um, the the combination of homeopathy and a, a drug that actually works might um, <laughs> might have uh, precipitated that one. But um, yes, unfortunate. Nobody wants to be uh, uh, in a drug state if they're not expecting to be in a drug state. We're going to be uh, catching up. Oh, actually, we're going to be listening to a small part from Michael Bock later, who presented on Australasia and entheogens. Also, hearing a little bit from Rakrazam and Julian Palmer from Rakrazam's podcast, In a Perfect World. A few songs coming up for you. And right now, this is I in the World, uh, I Fall Apart from the recent EP, In the World, which is available at Bandcamp. Uh, just look up Eye of the Needle on Bandcamp. This is in Psychedelia on 3CR.
I in the World, I Fall Apart from a recent EP in the World, available at Bandcamp if you want to uh, get your hands on that. Look up I, just the letter I, of The Needle. Now, uh, over the week, uh, we went and saw Johan Hari speaking live at the Melbourne Convention and Exhibition Centre. He was also joined by John Safran, who was hosting the afternoon, uh, the, the evening, uh, Fiona Patton from the Australian Sex Party, Annie Madden from the Australian Injecting and Drug Users League, uh, Greg Denham from Law Enforcement Against Prohibition, and Dr Richard... Sorry, don't I've forgotten his last name. <laughs> He's <laughs> no. from RMIT, and um, we'll have to get him on the program in the future because he had some interesting things to say. And I think if we can get a microphone up nice and close to him, <laughs> that will be um, quite good. Yeah. Uh, we had two tickets to give away uh, to that uh, evening, and we gave them away. We asked for your harm reduction tips. We got a few tips in, uh, only two winners, but I'll read you out a, a few of the tips. Uh, the first one. From Anonymous, I won't name any names here, but uh, this person said, Know your source. Test your drugs with a reliable tester kit and know how to use it, and know what they are and how they mix. Start with small doses, especially when approaching something new, and make sure you're with friends and that they know what you're taking. Hydrate and eat properly, and, of course, have a good time and enjoy the company that you're uh, that you're hanging out with. Yeah, and uh, we've got another one here from an Anonymous. Uh I was a smoker and drinker. Once the screw top was off the stubby, I went until stumps. I'd be the last one uh, standing. I'd do this three to five nights per week. I decided to stop drinking except for celebrations, and I do not take the car keys with me when I celebrate. I drink about once per year and do not miss it. I didn't stop my 20 to 40 day SIG habit. I couldn't. So I tried to do 20 minutes without a durry. At the end of 20 minutes, I'd see if I could last another 20 minutes. Um, I couldn't and can't give up my early morning coffee and smoke, so I didn't. I only ever tried to go 20 minutes without a smoke. I've not had a durry in 15 years. By only giving up 20 minutes at a time, I've lasted a very long time without smoking. Just uh, for all you international listeners who are going, what the hell is a durry? That's um, Australian slang for cigarettes. (laughs) And uh, finally, there was somebody who said, avoid combinations, especially avoid taking an untested substance. Too often, partygoers are deceived into purchasing undesirable compounds or analogues of what they believe to be a more favourable drug, typically MDMA, LSD, etc. These other chemicals, safe though they may be on their own, have the potential to synergize, causing adverse mental and uh, physical effects. Such an experience happened to this person who wrote this in uh, this year at a festival resulting from a combination of MDMA and an unexpected 2CX analogue, which you will recognise from the homeopathic uh, uh, disarray that happened earlier. Uh, if not for a friend, I this person would have been in trouble. Don't mix and don't take what is not tested. Uh, so thank you to everybody that sent those in for the uh, competition and congratulations to the two winners. We are always happy to take your contributions and your harm reduction tips. Head to 3cr.org.au, uh, jump onto the Encyclopedia program page and get in contact with us via Facebook, Twitter, or jump on our website and you can send us an email. Uh, we're going to be hearing from Michael Bock shortly uh, with his Entheogenesis Australis talk on Australian plants, and I'm not going to use the word, <laughs> no. 
3CR Community Radio, 855am on digital and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. This is in Psychedelia. My name's Nick. Uh, Ash is co-hosting today, regular contributor. And uh, we've just got a few events coming up soon that we want to uh, announce for you. Uh, next weekend on Sunday, uh, there's actually two events. So depending on, on your tastes, choose. Uh, on Sunday at 2pm, the uh Free Cannabis Victoria community will be holding their 420 uh, picnic. It's just a informal afternoon for the community to gather at Treasury Gardens in the city. And at 420, uh, they will be doing their thing that they do at 420. That's from 2pm. Hopefully, it'll be as lovely an afternoon as it is now. Uh, but we're all, we've also got our very own event in Psychedelia's um, first uh, sort of big event. We run a uh, club called the Melbourne Psychedelic Club. You're welcome to come to it. 3.30 most afternoons after the radio show at the Fitzroy Beer Garden. But next weekend, we will be uh, holding a special day in collaboration with the Global 920 Coalition, which was developed by Americans, hence the date is backwards. It's the 20th of September next weekend, so 29 for us. Uh, but the um, the Americans overseas will be putting on uh, simultaneous events celebrating the psilocybin mushroom, uh, not by taking it. That would be illegal. We'd be breaking the law then, but we can certainly talk about it, and we will be doing that. So next weekend, Michael Bock will be talking about Australian psilocybin species, uh, and Katia Honor, who is a visionary artist, will be presenting on uh, psychedelically inspired visionary art and um, also the healing experience and how the psychedelic experience can integrate with that. There is a uh, Facebook event page, so if you head onto Facebook, head to In Psychedelia and uh, have a look for it. You can get onto there. Um, we're accepting donations for the event, but we're running it for you. It's part of Melbourne Psychedelic Club. And uh, yeah, come along. Come and have a chat with us next weekend. We'd love it. Excellent. And if you wish to uh, attend both events, I'll be going down. I think we're going to cut live to me at the rally. Are we? Gonna... I, I think we're going to try and do that. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I'll be I'll be heading from from that to the uh, mushroom day event. So Excellent. feel free to join me for that. <laughs> Michael Bock uh, presented at one of the Entheogenesis Australis conferences uh, recently. I believe it was the ten year. In fact, it was the ten year anniversary in twenty fourteen or thirteen. I'm getting my dates a bit mixed up. He presented on Australasian uh, entheogens and the wide variety that are out there. This is just a small segment from his full talk, which you can view on the EGA YouTube channel, which is youtube.com forward slash entheo TV. Check it out. Let it Talking about psychoactive plants, there's usually several categories you can plot them in if you're trying to work out what the effects are, because uh, people like to know what they're taking and also what it's going to do, so we like to classify them. So you have your sort of psychedelics, you have your hallucinogens and uh, oniogens, which are the dream inducers, you have your stimulants, and you have your hypnotics and narcotics. And that little graph there on the right-hand side is its a map that I uh, designed for trying to work out neuropharmacology. I'm a, a natural scientist. I uh, studied geology and paleontology and botany, not neuropharmacology. So uh, uh, to make 
uh, neuropharmacology easy to understand for myself and actually anyone else in this room, I made a little diagram there of all the neuroreceptors. It's not scientifically accurate, but it's great for remembering how everything works. And in fact, that, uh, the explanation of that diagram was the very first EGA back at Ruby's in Belgrave. So uh, one of the first things is, when I'm talking about the psychoactive plants of Australasia, what is Australasia? People thinking just Australia? Uh, it's a bit more complex than that. Um, going up north, it includes, well, I include anything sort of east of the Wallace line. Now, Wallace was a guy, a contemporary of Charles Darwin, who was collecting butterflies and other specimens in Asia. And he worked out that there was one group of animals west of the line that he would call Asian, a very Asian fauna. And on the east of that line, it was very Australian. Uh, and there was a, a distinct line, and he called that the Wallace line. In fact, Wallace also worked out the theory of evolution at the same time as Darwin, but he didn't have quite the extensive uh, research in it that Darwin did, so that's why we call it Darwin's theory of evolution, not Wallace's theory of evolution. So... We have our Australian mainland, uh, we have New Guinea and Tasmania, which are parts of the Australian continent. So if you think about climate change, the climate has actually been uh, getting wetter and the sea levels have been rising from about 18,000 years ago to 6,000 years ago. Uh, 18,000 years ago there was big ice caps over North America and Europe and also all the water was locked in the ice caps. And then they started melting and the sea levels rose. So Bass Strait itself didn't form till about 12,000 years ago. And Torres Strait formed about 9,500 years ago as the sea levels flooded those low-lying areas of Australia. So when I talk about Australia, I tend to also think about Tasmania and New Guinea as part of the Australian continent. Now, there are a whole lot of islands off to the Southeast of New Guinea, we have the Solomons, Vanuatu, and we have the Spice Islands just to the, the west of New Guinea, and they're all part of the Australasian group. And then we have what the, uh, I also include the uh, flora of the sunken continent of Tasmantis, which is from New Caledonia into New Zealand. Most of that continent is actually underwater. So... Now let's get into the, our actual plant stuff. For our psychedelic plants, well, we have the acacias, we have a whole list of plants, and we have our various fungi, which is not in today's talk. But, uh, so I'll quickly mention the fungi. We have our ergots, uh, which are used to make LSD. We have our gold tops and blue minis, the uh, uh, psilocybin fungi. And we have some odd things... This nonda is used by the shamans in New Guinea and they're used in sort of various rituals. Some of them are uh, more recreational but some of them are sacred rituals. And the, uh, they use different types of mushrooms at different levels including uh, the psilocybes at the highest levels. So it's a pretty good indication that the New Guinean fungi, even though no one's tested these guys, are psychoactive. So let's get into our native plants. The wattles. Everyone here knows about wattles. In fact, I see quite a few people with wattles in their hands. 
Yeah, so a lot of these species contain DMT. And so you see these two ones in black? That means it's been published, published in the scientific literature. So that's knowledge that everyone can look up quite easily. All these other ones, and there's quite a lot of them, have been worked out by uh, people in Australia uh, going out there and just testing. Uh, JJ, who speaks at EGA every now and again, every few years, uh, tells us of uh, wonderful new species of acacia he's discovered, which are rich in DMT. And so this is how we uh, expand our knowledge. So uh, things like acacia floribunda is quite common across Australia. And then there's a whole lot more species that are suspected to contain DMT. It's sort of, they haven't been formally verified, but many of them have had reports of containing DMT. So here we have our map of the, the most common ones, uh, Acacia maidenii, Floribunda, Obtusifolia, and Acacia sophorae. So since we're all people of the East Coast, this is probably our more interesting map. And then due to the work of uh, JJ and others, we have uh, a list of uh, bottles from the western side of Australia, which isn't published in the scientific literature, but it has been presented at EGA. So we have, uh, this is all JJ's work. And... Uh, there's, some of those are very potent. They're very uh, strong in DMT. And so this is a, our map of our sort of Western wattles. And as you can see, Acacia uh, burkittii goes right across into central New South Wales, just if we've got anyone who goes out that way. Otherwise, you'd probably have to be... Uh, a resident of the southwestern of WA. And then we have our wattles up from the top end, our tropical wattles. And uh, these are also uh, mostly from JJ, uh, working out finding DMT in them. And yes, they're all up here. But we also have uh, wattles that are considered quite rare and endangered and some of those have DMT too. In fact Torson was talking about one of them yesterday at his uh, EGA presentation. Uh, where did Torson go? Oh there he is hiding away. So yes I haven't added your one in because uh, I didn't realise it was public knowledge until yesterday. But uh, this Acacia flebophila, everyone would know the buffalo sallow wattle up on the sort of Mount Buffalo and there we have uh, Dennis McKenna examining the buffalo sallow wattle. So, but these are all plants that are found only from one specific location. Yeah, so if, ignore the mapping software, it's actually just sort of there. <laughs> and we have our uh, other ones just there and sort of just there and just there, all from one individual uh, place, so they're all quite endangered. So, of course, as a community, we uh, try and encourage people not to harvest these plants, except for, say, seeds. And JJ has also worked on some of the wattles in the South Pacific. Now, the, the wattles, 
uh, are a broad group. There is an enormous amount of wattle species, and most of those are found in Australia. And in fact, a few years ago, the wattles had to be divided into uh, different uh, genus names. And there was a bit of a controversy because Australia really wanted to keep the genus name Acacia for most of their species, which are actually uh, most of the wattle species. And uh, under the laws of scientific nomenclature, it's normally the first described species uh, gets to keep the genus name. But in this case, Australia won out. And so most of the uh, wattles keep their name Acacia rather than Racosperma, which it would have been. I'm sure Rack would have been pleased with that too, by the way. <laughs> now, because Australia is the centre of Acacia biodiversity, the uh, nearby islands also have various Acacia species. And some of these are rich in DMT. Now, one of them, Acacia simplex, uh, found here in various islands, uh, also contains odd things like uh, formal methyltryptamine, which we don't have any uh, sort of trip reports or uh, psychedelic reports. So uh, who knows if that's active or not. It was Michael Box speaking for the Entheogenesis Australis uh, YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash entheotv.
Able 8 and you wish with play and Able 8 is playing next weekend at Galactic Crunk from 5pm next week. It's at the Railway Hotel in Brunswick. We've posted a link on the Facebook page if you want to uh, check that one out. Head along to uh, 3cr.org.au. Head to the Encyclopedia program page and there are links there uh, to our Facebook, our Twitter and the website as well. This is 3CR uh, Community Radio 855am. We're on digital and also streaming live at 3cr.org.au. If you've missed anything from the show, we do uh, replay. There is a, a, a replay of the show available at the Encyclopedia program page at 3cr.org.au that you can listen to or share with your friends. Uh, anytime during the week, do feel free to pass that one on. Now, uh, I've just got a small uh, segment to play for you from Rak Razam, uh, who is the author of a few books and a experiential journalist. Um, he uh, does a podcast called In a Perfect World, where he has about one to two hour long interviews with uh, with people. And he spoke with uh, Julian Palmer, who's the author of a book called Articulations on the Utilization and Meaning of Psychedelics. And we're going to be catching up with uh, Julian in a few weeks. Uh, he has recently been in Finland at a uh, gathering called the Bermuda Gathering on Psychedelics and also spent a bit of time in Russia recently. And we'll be heading to the Wasiwaska uh, Centre uh, which is at the island of Santa Catarina in, in southern Brazil, and it's the centre for the study of psycho-integrator plants, visionary art, and consciousness. So he's heading there in October. We'll be catching up with uh, with Julian Palmer uh, in the next couple of weeks, but this is him speaking with Rakrazam on the In a Perfect World podcast. By definitely the mid to getting towards the, the late 90s, there was that parallel and resurgence of Silicon Valley, Valley and... Computers and the internet is this concept in popular culture which seemed to parallel the peak of uh, rave culture and this rebirth of sort of psychedelics and the renaissance on that level, at least in San Fran, and sort of, you know, there was a intertwining between uh, computers and psychedelia which hmm. seemed to, to rebirth itself. Hmm. So you were sort of part of that as well, at least culturally? I was part of that and I was part of virtual communities from the, some of the first most uh, interesting virtual community I, I, I was really uh, participating in that exploration and that uh, experimentation of expression so what, what I'm getting at as well is with that uh, expansion of consciousness with the internet and yep. with you know communities meeting as minds it's yep. still quite disembodied were mm. you paralleling that with your own journey work with psychedelics well, it took me uh, till about 1999 that I moved to the Byron Shire and me and a friend, we, we came up here um, to start a media company. And uh, um, that sort of failed or we ceased to get significant work after nine months. And um, I met an American man who uh, we took over a sort of a temple space in Myokum. And so the Byron Shire in those days, for listeners that don't know, this is Byron Bay, Australia. It's an ex-sort of hippie mecca, which slowly has been gentrified like most ex-hippie meccas around the world. Hmm. And by 2015, at least, is uh, not what it used to be. But hmm. by 1999, it was still yep. hippie? Well, around, around year 2000, I'd say, it was certainly a lot more alternative. And there are a lot more people who would were kind of more focused on, uh, I guess, spiritual matters. There were a lot of 
you know, satsang was really big, the sort of non-dual Advaitic inquiry. And I was into that scene to some degree. I wasn't completely into it, but it was, you know, part of my uh, awareness that that world of, of those, of, of the, this, I guess, quote-unquote spiritual people and that sort of uh, Eastern philosophical understanding. Do, do you consider yourself a spiritual person? I think the word spiritual sort of lost its meaning, really. You know, I don't it's really... It's true back, What's the, the core of that? Well... Like you can change the label, but the thing at the core, you know, of spirit... I don't know. I, I, I don't see people as being spiritual or non-spiritual, you know? I don't see uh, one so, person is that a, is is that a non-dual, dual, non-dualistic response? Perhaps it is. You know, if I go to the pub, I might, you know, meet people I consider more spiritual than the people I meet at, you know, I don't know, Eckhart Tolle gatherings or something, you know. Yeah, but, but you yourself, do you consider yourself a spiritual person? Uh, I don't think to myself, oh, I'm a spiritual person, but and I don't look at other people and say, I think... You know, you know the famous yeah. quote, it's like, we're, we're not, we're not, what is it like, we're not like, you know, human beings, we're human beings, not human beings having a spiritual experience, we're spirits having a human experience. Sure, sure. Do you resonate with that at all? Absolutely, yeah. I, I do uh, appreciate that perspective. But maybe it's just language and the overuse of the word spiritual. And I guess mm-hmm. compared to a lot of my contemporaries, I kind of got into this when I was 18. You know, I've been into quote-unquote spiritual stuff since I was 18. So for me, the word has lost all meaning. I guess perhaps it's all spiritual to me, you know. Mm. Uh, whereas a lot of people I meet these these days, I guess they might have had some understanding of spiritual matters five years ago, ten years ago, two years ago, last week or whatever it was. It's almost like, you know, spirituality almost has a TM trademark up yeah. these days. Yeah. And there's streams and fads and, and clicks within that's that. That's right. And that's uh, Julian Palmer and Rakrazam on the Inner Perfect World podcast. You can find a link for it at our Facebook page now. And they were talking a little bit um, at the end there um, about spirituality and what, what that means. And I, I do think there's a, an interesting conversation around that because it certainly means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Does it mean anything in particular to you, Ash? Spirituality, well, you know, just at its most basic level, it's the essence from where we draw meaning in our lives. That's kind of the way that I would summarize my relationship to spirituality. Mm, I think it's a, it's a, it's one of those words that gets loaded very easily, like the word God and like the word uh, religion, where it can be loaded with certain presumptions about what somebody means when they say uh, spirituality. And I, I think you, you hear that term can be used in both a derogatory fashion and a fashion to represent that somebody feels like uh, they approach things with meaning and, and with, um, with forethought. Um, so it's, it's funny that it can sort of go both ways, but um, what they said at the end there about uh, it having almost a TM at the end, you see this huge multi-billion dollar global industry of, um, uh, of book writers and, and motivational speakers and organisations that, you know, uh, the only product that they deliver is how to be a, a better person, whatever that's supposed to mean. It's, um, it's a bit bizarre um, sometimes, I think, but, uh, you know, to, it's one of those things where everyone's so different as well that everyone needs to find their own path and um, it, it can be uh, uh, a very murky thing.
Mm-hmm. Sometimes. Yep. This is in Psychedelia on 3CR Community Radio, 855 AM digital and streaming live at 3cr.org.au, where you can also head along to the Psychedelia program page where there's links to our Facebook, Twitter, and website. And do get in, in touch with us. We were looking last week for your harm reduction tips, and they can be related to any drug, including alcohol, tobacco, and caffeine. Um, we, we hold no prejudices um, whether or not they're legal because the uh, legality is rather arbitrary in the first place. We just want to know how you reduce your uh, harms uh, or, or how your friends do uh, when you're approaching uh drug taking of some kind uh ash is there any uh any tips that you apply to yourself in life uh yeah there's some there's some broad ones like first of all i think the most useful thing that you could say is be very careful mixing opiate painkillers with alcohol and um and one that my i was chatting with a paramedic friend on friday night about this particular issue and she she mentioned as well that falling asleep in a chair while on um, things like benzodiazepines and mm, so that'd be Xanax and um, those <clears throat> yeah because your head falls forward and constricts your breathing on right. top of like a suppressed reaction from the opiates or overdose or whatever else is going on can contribute to well death basically and these these uh, pharmaceutical drugs are much more used in our in our society than uh, all of the illicit drugs and they're causing a lot more problems uh, than the illicit drugs despite what the um, uh, popular media would have you think about ice or synthetic drugs it's the pharmaceuticals apart from alcohol and tobacco uh, pharmaceutical misuse is a uh, is a huge uh, huge issue and maybe if we just had some better education around because um one of the things is that some of them do feel nice well and, <laughs> and i think people... also people um think of drugs as something other than what they do like in a lot of the mainstream so when they're thinking about drugs they're not thinking about their painkillers and their antidepressants and their alcohol, which are all drugs and all have various interactions mm. of themselves and with each other. Um, I think that's a very pertinent one on uh, anything that's opiate-based because it is already a depressant um, and uh, any other depressant, especially alcohol, uh, because that's that kind of... Um, uh, th- those two drugs together can lead to problems uh, very quickly. So just just be careful with uh, with that sort of thing. Um, uh, something uh, that was brought up before by uh, one of the winners of our um, competition about uh, tobacco cigarettes, um, he said that what his strategy for quitting was a, a, a cold turkey type strategy where he just had in his head, I just I'll wait twenty minutes. I'll wait 20 minutes and then reevaluate the situation. And that's actually a um, strategy that can be used in anything that's uh, a decision that you could make on the spot, whether it's buying something or uh, whether it's something to do with drugs or alcohol or gambling or anything where you could make that decision on the spot, but it could have um, other consequences. Give yourself some time. Just that time bracket can then let you settle on it think about it for a while and through that method those just small intervals of 20 minutes he was able to quit and he said that he hadn't smoked a cigarette in 15 years so you can do it it's sort of in line with some stuff that mark lewis um neuroscientist that was on the show a couple of weeks back mentioned in in his talk and um he specifically went into the marshmallow test and for our listeners if you're not aware of what the marshmallow test is it's a psychological test that they did with children where they basically said, well, you can have one marshmallow now or you can wait (laughs) 10 minutes and have like three. And um, the kids, you know, they're quite young and so it's a really intense thing to wait those minutes and kids had different strategies, like some would grab the table or walk (laughs) around the room to pace around to, to put off that gratification 
and get the marshmallows, you know, the three marshmallows. And what they found is, you know, those kids that could do that could train themselves to delay that gratification, had a lot better outcomes in a lot of social uh, sort of situations, you know, economically and in school. And it's really just about, it's it's about being mindful in your approach to the consumption of anything, whether it is um, drugs, food, alcohol, which is included in the drugs category, or your consumption of something that's not, like, you're not actually consuming it, like eating it, but you are consuming media or you're, cons- like, if you're watching television or movies or things like that, which certainly people do get uh, uh, what, what could be sort of construed as addicted to. I think there are some actual studies about mobile phones and uh, mm-hmm. people's sort of addictive response uh, to to not having their mobile phone around. That's not to say that all these things don't have very, you know, have benefits. People take these things in the first place or do these things in the first place or engage with these things in the first place because of the good side. They don't do it because they want to um, become hopelessly uh, reliant on something. Mm-hmm. They do it because of the benefit. You can remember that without getting into an abusive relationship with it. Uh, this is 3CR uh, community radio, 855am uh, on digital and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. Uh, now, next week, I'll just let you know again, we are holding uh, us, uh, the Melbourne Psychedelic Club, at the Fitzroy Beer Garden from 3.30pm, where we're going to be uh, presenting uh, alongside... Um, uh, people all over the world are, are also having their own uh, days on the psilocybin mushroom, the psychedelic mushroom, magic mushroom. Uh, there won't be magic mushrooms there, so please don't ask me, uh, but we will be talking about them, and it's going to be a very uh, interesting afternoon. From 3.30, Michael Bock will be speaking on local species, and hopefully we'll have some nice pictures. Um, he's also bound to have some diagrams and whatnot, and Katia Honor, who is a visionary artist, will be presenting on uh, some of the some of the artwork, psychedelic-inspired artwork, uh, and that's going to be hosted by Martin Williams, who is the president of uh, Australian organisation PRISM, which is Psychedelic Research in Science and Medicine. You can find all that information and more at the Encyclopedia social media pages, Facebook, Twitter, and on our program page, 3cr.org.au forward slash Encyclopedia. Uh, Ash, thanks for the uh, for, for being here this week again. And um, next week we will be uh, partly broadcasting live from the 420 rally as well as presenting at the uh, uh, at the Mushroom Day. Uh, coming up in just a tick, we have Queering the Air. They'll be on after three o'clock. We'll be back from two o'clock next week. And uh, do get in contact with us at some point because we uh, we just we love to hear from you. We love to hear from. Uh, you're the listener because it's it's important to us very important thanks for listening this is uh, 3CR Community Radio you've been listening to Encyclopedia, a 3CR Community Radio podcast for more information on anything you've heard in this program head along to 3cr.org.au and follow the links to the Encyclopedia program page